When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's October 14th. What time is it? 2.50 Pacific time. I'm your host. Am I a host? I don't even know. Because I just watched two hosts going at it for three some hours on Rogan's podcast. Sanjay Gupta, Joe Rogan, CNN and mainstream media versus the, you know, upstart intellectual dark web Spotify hero in a battle royale that wasn't that. So if you've followed this at all, everybody, you know, if you go on Twitter, if you go on social media, everyone's like, oh, Joe Rogan schooled Sanjay Gupta on kids. And then CNN's like, Sanjay Gupta, you know, educates Rogan on vaccines. It's like, well, what, what actually happened was something remarkable. A three hour nuanced, at times testy conversation between two communicators. Like that's what happened. And what I wanna do as a doctor and someone who fancies that we should be moving towards what I call the alt middle, which is a way where we respect each other, we have dialogue, we see everything as true but partial, there's some truth in everything, so how do we make sense of the world having that perspective, right? It's kind of an integral perspective. Well, let's watch, let's go through, I'm gonna summarize this conversation, we're doing it live so we can kind of, see what we can learn about having dialogue about this stuff and get into some of the scientific aspects of this. Okay, all right, I gotta start by saying, what are my biases? All right, I love Joe Rogan, I do. I think he's off his rocker on certain things. I think he has magical thinking on other things, but that's just typical of celebrities, people who exercise a lot, people who do a lot of drugs. (laughs) That's just just part, and I know a lot of people like this, a lot of them are my friends. There is a component of, this kind of way of seeing the world. But what I love about Rogan is he's connected to his emotional state. He actually is a really clear thinker on many, many things. He's a wonderful communicator and he's just a lot of fun. Like he's one of those people who just has it and he's a polymath, like he's good at so many different things that as a, you know, I'm just so jealous of him. So that's my stance on Rogan. I, I just, he takes some stances that I don't agree with, but that's okay, right? Sanjay Gupta. Okay, of all the sort of public communicator physicians, I hate him the least. Um, So (laughs) I think I actually have a lot of respect for him. I find him incredibly boring. Like I wanna fall asleep when I listen to him, but that's just me. I'm not his demographic, right? So clear communicator, works for CNN, and so CNN we're gonna talk about, the mainstream media we're gonna talk about. But so I actually, have a lot of respect for Sanjay. So I think he's doing a, a good job with a very difficult situation. So, okay, that being said, they sat down for three odd hours. I listened to it today at the gym on 3.5X speed on Spotify and actually found it still too slow. Um, but was able to get through it and take some notes on what they talked about and kind of feel what my um, sort of senses of what's going on here. And now, now the first thing, you know, they started out talking about marijuana and how Joe actually wanted to, you know, was much more accepting of having Sanjay on the show because of his change in stance on medical marijuana. I guess Sanjay was against it. And then he wrote a big piece in Time, I forget what it was, saying basically, hey, I'm actually more compelled by Israeli data and other data that this may be a thing and so on. And so they bonded over this thing. Now, Everyone was talking about what you know, how brave it was that Sanjay came out supporting medical marijuana, dude. That at that time, that was not brave. Like the tides were already turning. Um, you know, I think that drug decriminalization is not necessarily a brave stance. It's a actual rational stance <laughs> in general. And looking at medical marijuana, I've done videos on what the actual evidence is so far. But the point being, they bonded on this, so they said, okay, we can vaguely trust each other. All right, even though now we're talking mainstream media, CNN, which Rogan hasn't had the best relationship with, which we'll get to. All right, so kids and myocarditis. And and I'm looking at your comments here, but we're gonna try to take them towards the latter half of this. All right, and I can't talk for too long because at 4 p.m. Pacific, I'm doing a 
virtual talk for an obstetrical society in Philadelphia, which I'm really excited about because these guys have been beaten down during the pandemic. Like doing telehealth for OB, that's a tough thing to do, right? So it's time to do a little inspiration, health 3.0 stuff. So when they start getting into it, it's talking about kids, like vaccinating kids. And of course with kids, it's a risk benefit ratio. Like what's the benefit of vaccination? What's the risk? Well, the known risk currently is myocarditis, inflammation of the heart or the pericardial sac around the heart, myopericarditis. And I've done shows on this. We've talked about this a lot. The actual risk to kids really depends on their age and what data set you look at. So it could be anything from, you know, one in 6,000 if they're young males, to one in 40,000 if you're looking at the whole group. And this has been very controversial which data set you look at. Okay, that's fine. And the point being, it's not a riskless thing to vaccinate young children, but the risk of myocarditis, actually myocarditis is generally reversible, but it's a really big deal if you get it, right? You don't want that. So parents, of course, are put in a position where they have to decide, is COVID worse than myocarditis? And this was the first point of contention between Joe Rogan and Sanjay Gupta. Joe just basically said, listen, and I thought this was a really interesting way to frame it because Joe is thinking about risk, which most people don't do properly, all right? And whether you agree with him or not, I think his thinking was not invalid. And it was this, listen, Sanjay, you're a 51-year-old double vaccinated male. You, according to the data, have the same risk of COVID complications as a, say, 10-year-old unvaccinated child, like a young child. And this is true. If you look, I think there was a data set out of Great Britain where they looked at this. Um, don't quote me on that because I don't have the data on hand and I'm not gonna Google it like they do on Rogan. So if this is true, what Rogan said is, so how is it that you can be comfortable in your immunity, right? And go out in the world and be okay, but a parent can't be comfortable with the level of immunity of their kid. And I thought this was actually a good question to ask Sanjay. Now, it, I think it flustered Sanjay, it took him off guard. Cause I first think he didn't understand the question exactly. Cause he's like, so you're telling me I should get boosted? It's like, no, 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 no. We're saying, why should we vaccinate our kid if they're at the same risk of you? In other words, the risk is age dependent. And parents do understand this to some degree. And that's why some of them are reluctant if there's a risk, however small of myocarditis, but the risk to the kid is already that of a vaccinated 50 year old. Well, that's good enough for a lot of parents. That's what Joe was trying to say. And it didn't quite sink in, right? It didn't settle in. And this is part of, I think part of the problem here, which is when you're doing a conversation like this, you know, because people are saying, hey, they tell me all the time, Z-Dog, you should go debate Pierre Corey or, you know, Robert Malone or Gert Vandenbush, these kind of fringe scientists and doctors, right? And the point is, well, no, you get another scientist who studies the same thing to debate because that's their field of expertise. I'm a communicator and so is Sanjay. So if Sanjay were Paul Offit, Paul Offit would have had a lot to say, Dr. Paul Offit, at that point to Joe. And one of the things that you might say to this, you know, Sanjay kind of fell apart, didn't quite understand the question. He said, well, I mumbled something about, I'm, I'm not really doing him justice, right? I just heard this today. What, what he basically said was, look, um, it's not just about the kids' you know, safety because coronavirus itself can cause myocarditis. And then Joe pulls up a study saying, but, but actually, according to this data set, which by the way, you can find data to support what your bias is no matter what, but I haven't looked at this primary data. So maybe it's, it's um, uh, valid, at least another piece of the puzzle, right? That the risk to myocard of myocarditis to kids, 86 of whom get, 86% of whom get hospitalized, according to Joe's thing, um, is less than, or is, is actually higher. So the risk of getting myocarditis is higher than the risk of being hospitalized for COVID in young boys. And I'd have to look at that primary data. But so let's say that's true. Let's say that, you know, myocarditis versus hospitalized with COVID. Well, there's a lot of questions you have to ask. Like, is hospitalized with COVID the endpoint you're looking at? Is there, is there long COVID in kids, which there is, but it's less common. What about kids at higher risk? You know, obese, people with comorbidities. Um, and then how severe was the myocarditis? So there's lots of questions that you would ask when you're thinking about risk, but this all kind of fell apart because what I think if I were Sanjay, I would have said, well, no, that is a valid way to look at it. But here are some other considerations. 
when you vaccinate a child, they're less likely, at least in adults, it's eightfold less likely to get infected. They're less likely to get infected and less likely to transmit to vulnerable people who, whether they've been vaccinated or not, might be at high risk. Um, you're gonna put a little bit of the breaks, and he got to this a little later, a little bit of the breaks on the spread dynamics of the pandemic. And in general, even though you're saying the relative risk of this being hospitalized with COVID, getting myocarditis, this, that, and the other thing, the absolute risk is still quite low in both cases. So getting vaccinated, why did I put the accent on that syllable? Getting vaccinated has a communitarian effect that we think about when we are talking about children, but, and this is what I would say too, is it is the parent's choice in this case. That's why I'm not a big fan of mandates for kids and COVID vaccines. I know Paul Offit came on my show and wants them and he wants to see the data, but listen, I. I I disagree in the sense that I think parents should be given this choice for a disease that's, that behaves this way in children. Now that's the nuanced conversation that you wanna have around this piece, right? And I think just even the fact that they were having the conversation. Now, where I, I, I got annoyed with Joe is he just kept kind of pounding on Sanjay, didn't let him talk, kept cutting him over. And this is a thing, you know, this is, a, this is Joe. Right, he's like a bag of testosterone-fueled rage sometimes, and it's his show, and he can do that, right? But it, but you should be able to step back to that, right? That should be part of the conversation. Um, so some of it that is just Joe's. You can feel his emotional bias here that he's been shit on a lot by people for you know misinformation, saying young people are at lower risk and they should be able to make a choice. It's like, well, all right, well that's he's going to push on that. That just is how it feels to me, right? Um, now, the second thing that, that, that was interesting right after that, they were talking about myocarditis and stuff. And then Joe said, hey, isn't it true that if you accidentally inject it in a vein, the mRNA vaccines, you can cause all kinds of problems like myocarditis. Isn't that a problem? And this is where Sanjay actually made a mistake. Um, because again, he's not, he's not the guy's, guy who does this. It's the same reason I'm not gonna debate Joe Rogan. I'll have a conversation with him, right? But you're not, it's not a debate, it's a conversation. He said, oh yeah, no, no, you're supposed to aspirate. You're supposed to inject and pull back on the syringe to make sure you're not in a blood vessel and then inject it, right? Well, this is not true. So that has not been true for quite a while. CDC's recommendations, the major medical society's recommendations are the same thing. You don't need to do that. And the reason is, and I talked about this with Paul Offit on the show, the reason is there aren't major blood vessels in the deltoid that you're gonna hit, right? That's the argument, right? Now I'm not, talking about the, whether this is true or not, but this is what is stated by CDC and others. There aren't big blood vessels here, so you're not gonna inject the thing into a, a vein. It's very unlikely, very exceedingly unlikely. And um, by doing that, by injecting, pulling back, injecting again, you can increase the time the needle's in the skin, the discomfort for the patient, and the overall time of the procedure, which over time adds up. And remember, if you're talking about people who are terrified of needles and so on, this actually is an additive effect. So those are the arguments on both sides of that. But what Sanjay Gupta said is, no, it's policy. You're supposed to like pull back on the, on the syringe. And that's of course not correct. So there's a little error there. Now, as a fellow healthcare communicator, I get it. Like I think as long as he says later, hey, you know, I misspoke on that. So hopefully he does that. I haven't followed up to see if he did, but that, that's just not true. And the thing is that's gonna generate, you can imagine the harm that that's gonna do. Now people are going and they're demanding that the nurse aspirate and the, and the nurse is not, that's not what they do in most cases, right? So it's not the policy. So then there's gonna create, you're gonna create fear and dis discomfort and all of that. Now, one of the things that they say, you know, Sanjay was like, oh, I think there was recently a paper that came out saying something about that. Yes, it was a mouse paper um, that has been making the rounds. So in mice, if you give them a ton of mRNA, right, in their, in their blood vessel, they get myocarditis. Well, but it's like, eh, how applicable is this to humans in a deltoid injection? So that these are the questions and Paul brought it up on our episode. But again, you gotta ask these questions. These are valid questions, right? And people have these, these questions. But if you're generating, if you're talking to you know, the public and you're gonna generate a ton of fear, you better at least be saying the right thing. <laughs> so it's not policy to aspirate on the syringe. So I, I thought it's important to mention that. Um, 
Okay, the next thing, they, they talked a little bit about natural immunity. Joe cited studies out of Israel saying natural immunity is better than vaccine immunity. Shanjay Gupta cites Kentucky studies that say, oh, it's better to get at least you know some vaccine, even if you've been infected and so on and so forth. Look, you can, this is where I think you have to understand your biases. You motivated reasoning where, where you're like, look, this is my belief, this is my ideology. Maybe I don't like vaccines, I don't like pharma, I don't like government, I don't like people telling me what to do. You can find data to support you. On Gupta's side, hey, I'm you know a doctor, I think this is a good idea. Vaccines has always historically been great ideas. So I can find data to support that you should get it even if you've been infected. But so that's, you're not gonna resolve that there. But what was discussed is, and I agree with this, that natural immunity should be considered when you're talking about mandates. And Joe Rogan brought up a very good point. He's like, you know, you're firing all these so-called frontline healthcare heroes for not getting vaccinated when they've been naturally infected. Like that doesn't feel right, that's stupid. You're gonna create shortages and I agree. And I did a video about that. So that's something, and I think Sanjay agreed as well on that. So. I think we should be having this conversation. It's not that hard. Now, Paul Offit brought up on my show that you know it's logistically very complicated to prove that you've been previously infected. But see, my take is, I don't, I'm not in the, in, I'm not interested in absolute veracity of whether someone's lying or not about having had previous COVID because their risk to vaccinated people is relatively low. If some people wanna lie about it or get fake, evidence online or whatever, and satisfy a mandate with coronavirus vaccinations, it's different than kids' vaccinations for other diseases. I'm not, I don't have a problem with that. People put on their big boy panties and big girl panties and go on and we treat them like adults. So if you wanna have an immunity mandate where you say, show me whether you're immune or go get the vaccine, show me you've been vaccinated. I'm okay with that. And if you want to dig up some fake, you know, positive COVID test or fake antibody test to pass the mandate, I actually don't care that much because I'm vaccinated, right? It's really unlikely you're going to kill me or my family or even a lot of vulnerable people who've been vaccinated and if they're very vulnerable, been boosted. So I, 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 that was an interesting conversation. And they were talking about expanding antigen testing which is interesting because antigen testing is quick, it's relatively inexpensive, and it tells you what you really wanna know, which is, are you contagious right now? It may be false positive, where PCR is very sensitive, right? And Dr. David um, Persing on my show from Cepheid, who does the molecular PCR testing for a lot of the country in the world, said, said as much. He said, antigen testing is great when you're screening for contagiousness, like you're about to get on a plane, you're in school, something like that. You, you have to do it often so you don't miss things, and it's positive when your viral load is high. So increasing that would then decrease the amount of spread in the community because people could quarantine when they're positive, all right? So I think that was reasonable. Now, Joe said um, something that he's trying to be funny, but I don't think he was kidding. He said, well, you know what I think is you got vaccinated, Sanjay, go out and get COVID, and then you'll have just tremendously robust immunity into the future, like go go to a, you know, basically go to a bar or something with God drinking, you'll get COVID. And this is an interesting thing. This is a piece of misinformation that circulates on the pro-vax side a lot, that somehow talking about natural immunity being a good thing is gonna encourage people to go get natural immunity. And I just don't think people are that stupid. So I actually think, you know, the, the response to that proposal, right? Go get nat go get natural immunity now. Is is a couple fold. Yeah, it would probably give you pretty good immunity. You still run the very small risk of getting severe disease. Remember, the vaccines are 90% eff efficacious against 90 plus percent efficacious against severe disease. Like very high, like nine, actually more like 99 depending, right? On your age group and so on. And so you still run a small risk if you get naturally infected of getting quite sick. So there's that. Then there's the issue of um, you spreading it through the community. So if you go out and get naturally infected, you're still replicating virus, albeit at a shorter window, lower viral load quicker. So your transmission window is less. This is one of the pieces of misinformation that somehow vaccines don't prevent spread. They do by reducing infections by eightfold and also, which Sanjay mentioned, and also squeezing the transmission window down to a narrower window. So you could say, well, Joe, but 
you don't want to get infected and go out and spread it and not know you're infected. And as Sanjay mentioned, a lot of the spread is asymptomatic spread, or it's really pre-symptomatic spread. Let's be honest. It's before you develop symptoms, um, you can spread the disease, which is why it's so effective at, at being spread. They talked a little bit about variants and you know, I think Sanjay was right. Delta is like by far more contagious than the other variants of interest. So it's gonna take a lot to beat Delta, you know? Personally, if I were a betting man, which I'm not, and I'm always wrong, I think except about the Delta surge coming down, I was right about that, but I based it on work that others had done. Um, the I think Delta is gonna be our last massive surge in, in the US um, because more people will be vaccinated, we'll have more natural immunity and future variants are gonna have a trouble escaping this. Um, all right, so after this, they started getting into ivermectin a little bit. Now, this was interesting. Joe's bias is clearly pro-ivermectin. He's had Brett Weinstein on the show. He's had um, um, Pierre Corey on the show. I don't know if he had Robert Malone on the show. So he's had these pro-ivermectin guys on the show. Now, what, what's interesting is it's interesting how everybody's intuition is a little different, right? So for example, when I watch, um, when Joe listens to Pierre or Brett, and Brett's a very smart guy. Let's look, let's think about Pierre, who's been a big advocate for ivermectin. He sees a very passionate guy who's advocating for therapeutics that will prevent this disease and gives a ton of what seems like very solid evidence that ivermectin works. When I watch it, because I've been around the block, right? And I actually know how to look at papers. <laughs> and I also know, I've been burned by doctors and scientists who've, called things miracle drugs before, and it turns out to be BS. When I watch Corey on Rogan's show, I see somebody who's super biased, who's completely misinterpreting the veracity of these trials and just needs to wait for a randomized control trial, is behaving emotionally, and I don't trust him at all. Now, look at the difference in bias, right? And I, prep, I put in the title here an alt-middle take. Alt-middle means you gotta be able to recognize your own beliefs and where they're biasing you. So that's my bias. I, I share Vinay Prasad's bias on this, that we've been burned by therapeutics too many times. They typically don't work very well, you know? And so uh, you wanna see good randomized control trial data that isn't biased as much as you can in order to say, okay, I'm down with ivermectin, right? And so Joe has this bias, clearly. It's clear, right? He took the drug when he was sick. Now, he then started shaming, uh, this was funny, like just saying, hey, CNN said, you know, I took a veterinary pill, ivermectin, which it's, dude, it's a human pill. Like, they just straight up lied, Sanjay. Like, aren't you their medical correspondent? Aren't you supposed to do something about this? Didn't you talk to them? They're liars. Like, they're, why would they... This is how am I supposed to trust the mainstream media about anything? Hunter Biden, lab leak, any of this stuff when they can't even get this right. And he was pissed and he just kept pounding on Sanjay. And Sanjay was like, well, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess I should have. I don't know. This is what Sanjay should have said. If Sanjay were a man of, of uh, pure honesty, he should have said, look, Joe, CNN, like all journalistic outlets these days, generates headlines and copy that generates clicks and views. That's the financial model of mainstream media. Fox does it, CNN does it, MSNBC does it, Breitbart does it. It doesn't matter who you're looking at, they do it. So saying podcast host who's unvaccinated Joe Rogan takes horse pills, well, that's a lot more provocative, isn't it? And it's not a lie because it is a horse pill, but it's not the truth because it's also a human pill that, you know, Nobel Prize winning pill for eradicating, you know, river blindness or whatever it is, right? These, it's an anti-parasitic given to billions around the world, just not at the, at it, you know, for this indication, right? So this is pure, like at this point, it's emotion, it's ego, both of them are fumbling around and it's more a meta commentary on mainstream media, which it was entertaining, but I don't think we got any truth out of it. What Sanjay should have asked Joe is, Joe, let me ask you a question. Why is it that you were willing to take ivermectin, prednisone, IV you know, formulations of vitamins, a Z-pack, azithromycin, an antibiotic that wipes out your microbiome? Why were you willing to do all that when you got sick? Monoclonal antibodies intravenously. This is a pharmaceutical product. Why were you willing to do that, but you weren't 
willing to get vaccinated with a microgram amount of something that all evidence so far shows is safe in your age group and quite effective. That, that's what I would have asked him. And that would have been an interesting conversation because what Joe later said is when, when Sanjay asked him, well, so what's up, you know, are you an anti-vaxxer? He didn't really say that, but he was trying to get at that. And Joe said, no, I actually was scheduled to get the vaccine in Las Vegas. And then something logistically came up. I would have had to gone to the hospital and I didn't. And then that next day, like the Johnson and Johnson pause happened. And I was like, wait, what? And then I heard from a friend who had a stroke after the vaccine, which by the way, correlation does not equal causation, but still you can imagine then Joe was like, wait a minute, I'm a healthy guy. I exercise, I'm kind of ripped. I have celebrity delusions of uh, invulnerability that many people have. So I'm not gonna get it. Okay, that was interesting, right? Because I have said the Johnson and Johnson pause was a terrible mistake and so is Paul Offit. Why would you do that? You tell the people the truth. Go, oh, we found this rare clotting thing, one in 500,000 or so. It's like a lightning strike, rare. But so now you've, you know, this is one of the very rare risks of this and we see it occasionally and it can be devastating when it happens. Let, let's be honest, but you pause it? Oh, dude, freaked everybody out. The drug, the, the, the vaccine is still barely used, even though it's a pretty damn good, one dose, right? And then maybe you need a second dose months later. Who cares if you're prevented, preventing severe disease early on? Not, that's the main thing to get us through the brunt of the pandemic. So I thought that was interesting. Now back to ivermectin. The, the ivermectin piece, then he was like, well, so why don't you look at the data of ivermectin, Pierre, Corey, and you know Brett, and these guys, and so on. And you know, at this point, I, 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 Gupta, Gupta's response was just a nothing response. It was like, well, you know, it was randomized control trials and blah, blah, you know, I don't know, the data, I looked at some of the data. Blah, 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 blah. The answer to that is <laughs> most of the data for ivermectin is either anecdotal, observational, non-randomized control trial, and it's full of problems, including the meta-analysis that was done by Corey and the gang. So we need randomized controlled trials. And when those show positive or negative, that's when you can say. So then Rogan brought up Uttar Pradesh, which um, Gupta corrected his pronunciation on or whatever, and, and said, well, look, they, they started giving out these packs of ivermectin and the cases plummeted. Okay, this is where Rogan needs to be educated on critical thinking around this sort of thing. And I think it really kind of, this is an opportunity, right? Because a lot of people think this way. They correlate something happening and they say that's evidence, incontrovertible evidence that this thing works. Pierre Corey does this. This is why he's a terrible scientist. Um, in Uttar Pradesh, you could look, I don't know how to say it, even though I'm technically from India, I don't, I don't know-ish. Um, you, you, when you look at how these pandemic dynamics work, you get a surge of cases, whether it's Delta or whatever it is, then you get natural immunity that happens as it burns through the most vulnerable population and then they come down. And it's a very typical cycle now that we're seeing repeat. That's why we thought, oh, Delta surge is gonna crash in this kind of way, right? It's more like a slow decline in the US because the US is so big and heterogeneous, right? Unlike in say Great Britain or the Netherlands where it went and there was higher vaccination rate there. Huh? US has lower vaccination rates in those places. So the natural immunity then triggers a downside. Well, when do you start giving ivermectin? When shit's looking bad. And just when it's really looking bad, that's when it's gonna inflect anyways. So you, that's why you have to have a placebo group within the same population that shares the exact characteristics or you can't say anything about the drug, that's gonna make any sense. Now, this is a piece of critical thinking that is often lost on everyone, including people in the so-called follow the science camp about say masking. They put a mask mandate in effect and then suddenly the cases dropped. Well, things were looking bad. They put a mask mandate in effect, the cases drop. That's the natural 
Huh? You have to do a cluster randomized trial, like the Bangladeshi trial, say, right? And what they saw was, hey, guess what? Cloth masks didn't do a whole lot, but surgical masks do, probably. Mm -hmm. That makes sense if people are wearing surgical masks. Those are pretty high-grade masks. So this is interesting, right? These are good conversations. This is why I really enjoyed watching this. Like, these are the three-hour conversations we ought to be having. Instead of, you know, and we'll, we'll talk about this, like who Rogan has on his show, right? All right. So then Rogan said, well, why aren't we talking about getting healthy? If you're fat, if you're diabetic, if you don't exercise, if you don't take care of yourself, first of all, you won't you hardly even know you're infected because you feel like crap at baseline, which I thought was really interesting observation. It's probably true. Although that's kind of from the, I know my body camp, which can get a little dicey. Uh, you do know your body. That's true. You can be aware of your body, but we often misinterpret signals. And that's why you have to be really careful with that. But body awareness is important. Health awareness. So Rogan's saying, hey, we ought to be talking about obesity and all this. And I agree a thousand percent. This is a pandemic of the metabolically unwell. That's why the US has such a crappy time of it. We're fat, lazy pieces of crap. It's not our fault. We have a food industry that's like out of control, fast food on every corner, we watch screens all day. You know, we get our exercise in these little bursts instead of like throughout the day. There's a million, you know, we eat way too much red meat. We, we have a horrible processed food diet. Um, there's lots of stuff that's not right. So we should talk about that. Rogan is absolutely right. Now, you know, just like he was thinking about like, how do we think about kids in myocarditis? How do we think about nutrition? These are good points from a rational thinker, right? And I think Gupta agreed. So now here was something that like Gupta asked Rogan, hey, what's going on with, like you tell these stories about, oh, I knew a guy who had a stroke after the thing. I knew an another couple people that had heart attacks after the vaccine. And you know, what about this and this and this? And again, it's this confusing correlation with causation, understanding that these things happen in the background rate now, could there be a connection to the vaccine? Of course, but that's why you have surveillance and all of that. And he said, well, they didn't report it to VARES and so on. It's probably because the doctors saw another cause, right? So he gave, not always, but we do have to propose that that's a possibility. So you have to ask Joe, Joe, could you be open to the possibility that these things occurred for these reasons, right? Doesn't mean that it did, but you have to be open to these ideas so that you can then say, okay, how do I really feel about this? Let me question every belief that I have, including the belief that the vaccine didn't cause this on Gupta's side, right? So here's a story he told. 19-year-old transplant, like healthy, a previously healthy girl who apparently got Moderna, got myocarditis after the, I don't know if it was the second dose, might've been the second dose, um, ended up getting so sick she needed a heart transplant and then died of complications of the immunosuppression pneumonia after the heart transplant. And that's a tragedy, right? Now, they pulled up the thing and they were like, oh, oh, actually it says doctors weren't sure what the actual cause of the myocarditis was. Now, this is important because you hear a story like that and this is what Gupta was kind of saying. is like, Joe, like people listen to you. They actually model on you. You influence a lot of people and Joe, did the classic thing where he says, oh, but that's not, I didn't ask them to do that. I'm just here to do a show. None of this was intentional. Millions of people watch me. Yeah, but now, now, it, now, it, now it is. Now you know that you have this reach. And I think Sam Harris brought this up about Joe, which is like, when you ring a bell like that, like vaccines are dangerous, you better understand what you're doing. And there's gotta be, that's a bell that you better be sure you wanna ring in the way that you rung it. So a 19 year old, you know, like this. So how would you parse the situation? First of all, we don't really know what happened. Could it have been another viral infection because viruses cause myocarditis? Was it the myocarditis that led to the transplant? I don't know all the details of it, but there's a lot of things that could be going on. Now, was it one of those rare cases where maybe the vaccine did do something? She got a case of myocarditis, which again is rare in, in women, right? She got a case of myocarditis, ended up having a transplant, all these complications. Yeah, that's possible. Vaccines, can kill people. In extremely rare cases, they can. They can lead to complications and death. And it's so rare 
that we in general say, well, the risks of the vaccine are outweighed by the benefits. So you have to talk about the benefits. And the benefits are not just to the individual, but to the community. So those are the honest conversations we have to have. You know, seatbelts can kill people, but we know on the whole, they save lives. So we have seatbelt laws. So these are conversations you can have. You can disagree. You can say, well, with COVID, the risk to a 19-year-old? Ah, now this is where I thought it was interesting because what Rogan said was, look, this woman would have breezed through uh, Muhammad uh, Baba, who would you like to see uh, Rogan interview next? Paul Offit, interview like a hardcore pro-vaxxer scientist. And then Rogan can ask these questions and, and Paul can answer. I think that would be really educational. Um, and Paul's a great communicator, right? And even if you disagree with some of the things he's saying, hey, you've got the information there, you can make your own choice. So what, what, um, what Joe said next was I thought very misleading. He didn't know it. He said, she would have breezed through COVID and now she's dead because of the vaccine, right? That's very scary for parents. All right, yeah, that's scary. Who says she would have breezed through COVID? Let's say the vaccine caused myocarditis in the 19-year-old girl. Could you argue that since COVID causes myocarditis at a very high rate, that if she were to be naturally infected with COVID, she could have had myocarditis heart inflammation, failure, transplant, and the same pattern. That's fully possible. So I think making black and white statements about she would have breezed through coronavirus is not valid from a, even from a probabilistic standpoint with someone who had such an inflammatory response to the vaccine. Because however much inflammation the vaccine causes, COVID is worse. It really is because you have not just the spike protein, you have all the other crap that comes with that virus and the viral replication all over the place, right? In the mucous membranes and so on. Okay, so the last thing I wanna say about this is they sort of ended the conversation, you know, Gupta pulled out his, they pulled out Gupta's bourbon, which it was clear Gupta had never even tried. I don't think he drinks much. He certainly attested to smoking weed and getting paranoid. And I'm like, amateur. Um, <laughs> I told you I find him really boring, um, but that's okay. You need boring when you're a news person, right? I hate the news, by the way. Um, that's my bias. So you guys know, because this is my style. It's like F it all. Um, at the very end, they said, look, you know what? I'm glad we had this conversation. People were, we were expecting it to be antagonistic. You know, It was great. It's a three-hour conversation. We had a good time. We got through some stuff. It wasn't perfect, but we had dialogue and it wasn't a soundbite, although People are pulling sound bites and going, look, Rogan schooled Gupta or Gupta schooled Rogan or whatever it is, because that's what they do, because that's what gets the clicks and gets the likes on Twitter. And that's what we're incentivized to do. But I refuse to do it. I'm like, let's talk about every single thing they said at length. And it was a great conversation. And then he said this, Gupta said, you know what, Joe, the thing about you is I like the way you think. That's the highest compliment. He's not saying I, I like what you think, what you think. He says, I like the way you think. And then Rogan said, you know what? I like the way you think. What that's saying is that's alt-middle recognizing alt-middle. It's saying, I appreciate your the way you reason through things. Now, neither one of them is perfect at that, but none of us are. But they acknowledge that even though they may disagree on some stuff, they actually respect each other's thinking. That is a prerequisite to alt-middle sense-making. All right, so that's kind of what I think. You know, I would love to see Joe Rogan get, say, a Paul Offit on the show. Um, if Joe, see, people are like, well, you should go on Rogan. I'm like, well, first of all, Rogan has to invite you. You don't go on Rogan. Like, yeah, I think I'll go on Rogan. Um, second of all, it would then be two communicators talking shit, which I would, it, I would thoroughly enjoy, and I would be happy to answer the questions I'm able to answer with him. But if you really want to dive deep in the questions that that Rogan has, I think you need. An expert. He had Hotez on the show a while back, but you know he was pretty aggressive with Hotez too. Um, I think what I think Offit would be really good because Offit would just be like, "Dude, I get these questions all day, every day. Uh, it'd be it'd be fun to see, right? And educational. I always learn something. So that's what I think. All right, let's take some comments because it's three twenty eight Pacific, and I remember I got to do that talk. <laughs> I I got to change my shirt into something more formal. I don't know, it's East Coast, doctors, they're kind of, actually doctors, nurses, nurse practitioners, nurse midwives, it's gonna be so much fun, you guys. All right, here we go. Let's uh, let's go back 
And people saying, some people got the vaccine because of me. Thank you. That's awesome. That's a very high compliment. Thank you. E. Woods uh, Super Chat says, it's funny him saying that he didn't ask for it. I recall the left saying the same thing to Trump with the rush on the Capitol. Can't have deniability uh, when you're um, that watched and that influencing. I mean, that this is the thing, right? I don't think you have deniability. You know, I get a lot of criticism if I say something that, you know, it's a lot, a lot of the criticism I get is from the pro-vax people who are like, you're, you know, you're sowing too much doubt with your nuance, like that, just mandate it and shut up, basically is what they're saying. And I'm like, we're trying to actually think these things through here. There is not a black and white answer to anything in the universe, right? In fact, if you go down and question every single one of your beliefs, you can question every single one of your beliefs. You can question them. The only belief you can't question is that you are having an experience right now, that you are. That's the only thing you can't question. Are you having an experience right now? Yeah. Every single one of you can answer yes. Right? That's the only thing. That's the bedrock of belief, of truth. Everything else you can question. So... If you can't question it publicly, but then you have to be responsible about it, meaning, well, you you want to actually talk about the other side's opinion on this. And that's where Rogan has fallen off. He gets guys like Corian and Weinstein on, Weinstein, Weinstein, I don't know what it is. And they, and I love Brett, actually, I think he's a very smart guy, uh, him and Heather. But what they, what they do then is they don't, he doesn't question them hard like he questioned Gupta. It's very unbalanced. So that's one of my criticisms is like, if you're gonna, you, it's your show, you do what you want, but you cannot deny that you have some responsibility for swaying people. Now, here's an interesting twist on that. Who is he swaying? Who's his audience? It's generally younger men. So they're generally low risk for this anyways. Now they can convince their spouses and their parents and people who are you know, obese and you know, friends not to get vaccinated and that's a problem. But in general, Rogan as a dangerous entity, I don't think so. I, 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 love, I loved his interview with Elon Musk. I love it when he talks about psychedelics. I love, love it when he talks about consciousness. Um, he's having these conversations that mainstream media just doesn't have. You know, um, M. Massey says, hey, this whole vaccination situa situation is the largest scientific study ever. Instead of calling them the unvaccinated, we can say control group. That's fair. I mean, we have hundreds of millions of people in a study but it, it's, by the way, don't get me wrong. It was studied in tens of thousands in randomized control, placebo-controlled, double-blind fashion. That's the gold standard, you guys. So it was studied, but now you have an even bigger study. And you're right, the control group of the unvaccinated. So what do we learn? You're eight times less likely to get infected, somewhere between five and tenfold, uh, even in the setting of Delta, if you're vaccinated. You are like well over tenfold less likely to get severe disease. Um, now, Rogan said, just vaccinate people at highest risk. Okay, that's great. You should start with that. But the truth is there's a community benefit to generating immunity because you get to an endemic status where the thing is more like a common cold faster with very little cost because remember, and this is where the controversy is, these are very safe, right? We've now got hundreds of millions of people. People ask me, I have autoimmune disease. What should I do? Well, in the hundreds of millions of people who've been vaccinated, you can bet a bunch of them had autoimmune disease. And we're not seeing in VAERS or VSAFE or these reporting systems, large signal that generate hypothesis that, oh no, this is a thing. We saw it with myocarditis and that's a relatively rare complication. So I think we're not on the wrong track, honestly. Now again, you can disagree with me and come at it in the comments, but that's my take having talked to a lot of people and looking at this data and having my own bias, yes, but I'm also a skeptic. I also hate the establishment. I'm also kind of heterodox by nature. So I have a bias in that direction too. And I was very skeptical of the vaccine before it came out. Go watch my early videos. And then I had to be convinced looking at the trial data. Um, e. Wood said, hey, no doubt, but that's where humility comes into play. I tend to be more right-leaning, but Rogan definitely invites people he thinks can um, submit, just my two cents. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Rogan at the end says, look, I'm actually left-leaning because I grew up in the 70s in San Francisco and um, I think everybody should be able to do whatever they want, shouldn't be discriminated against. I'm for universal healthcare and a universal basic income. I like Andrew Yang. I'm like, 
and, and Gupta said, I thought you're more of a libertarian. I'm like, well, everything Rogan just said is kind of libertarian. <laughs> you know what I've noticed about, about people in my travels here is that as they get a little older, especially if they're kind of high IQ people, they tend to drift into a more libertarian ethos, but still call themselves progressives. And I'm not sure why that is, but I see it repeat itself routinely. And I think today's libertarians are actually more like old school liberals. Um, you know, they think socially people should be allowed to be them. Economically, there should be sort of free market and competition. Free speech wise, they're huge advocates of it. You know, and it's interesting. That was just an interesting political thing, you know, that, that I was like, well, so Rogan, you are kind of a libertarian. Now, universal basic income is actually a way of saying, let's take, let's make one of the functions apart from roads and this and that providing for people's basic needs so then they can do what they were destined to do, which is whatever it is, manifest in the world the way they're supposed to. And will it generate more laziness? And Logan said, Logan, um, Rogan said, Logan is my producer. Rogan said, um, the one thing I have a problem with is people don't take personal responsibility and the left really abdicates that and so on. And I'm like, yeah, you're, you're kind of a libertarian because what will universal basic income do to that? And you have to ask that question, you have to study it and see. So it was really interesting. Um, and I love that Rogan has these conversations, right? Um, but yeah, he has some magical thinking about some stuff. Glenn B says, why has there been no study, financial support, or other ways to fight the virus? Evidence with India and their med kit, no vaccine. I just talked about that, Glenn, the ivermectin thing. And by the way, so Merck's thing, which people are saying, and Merck makes ivermectin too. Uh, Molnupiravir, which I did a video on, you know, looks pretty good. Looks pretty good. Randomized control data. We'll see the final data and see what the safety profile is. But, you know, and randomized control trials are undergoing for ivermectin. So we'll see what it says. If I was a betting man, which again, I'm not, I don't think they're going to show a huge benefit. But I hope I'm wrong because then I can come here and say, hey, you know what? My bet was wrong on ivermectin, but I always said we need the trials, right? Brienne. Didn't add message on my other super chat. So here's another. Thank you for your support, by the way. Don't have time to watch the live. Just felt like sending some dollars out middle for life, bitches. Ah, Brianne, you are the best. Um, all right. So that's really the big picture here. I do have to go because I have to reset all this equipment for Zoom to do this thing. Uh, let's see if there's another couple I can take. Um, Tom Dalton says, Rogan does not consider himself progressive. He considers himself classic liberal. Ah, okay, good distinction, Tom. Thank you. Did not know that. Um, he just says he's left-leaning. So maybe that's classic liberal. That's, and you know, and honestly, you know, what do I consider myself? I consider myself alt-middle, which is not a political thing. It's like, hey, I whatever works on any side of the political spectrum that I think works for whatever issue, that's what I'm for. I think everybody should be allowed socially to do what they want. So I'm a little libertarian on that. Um, I'm very much a capitalist. So I actually do think decently regulated free markets that allow true competition and transparency generally do quite well when you don't allow oligopoly and uh, domination. So like healthcare, great example of not capitalism. It's crony oligopoly is what healthcare is. So real competition in healthcare would be fascinating to see. And then you could say, well, who's the payer for that? Even if it's just the government, but people are competing for that government money, that would lead to innovation, but there's ways to do it, right? It can be done right or wrong. I don't know the answer yet, nobody does, but we gotta hash it out as a bottom-up solution, not necessarily just a top-down solution, because I personally feel that those don't work very well. They have a lot of unintended consequences. And I feel like our leaders often don't understand humans. So it's very hard to, um, make that happen. All right. Um, I love you guys. The last thing I wanted to say is this last thing about alt-middle. When we watch a conversation like this, rather than allowing it and allowing social media and allowing the media media to use it to further polarize us, we should watch it and go, hey, this was a great conversation. Joe did a great job. He was a bit of a dick. That's okay. Sanjay's really boring, but he held his own and they had a good civil conversation with the occasional humor thrown in. And I wish they would have drank more bourbon or maybe smoked some weed. That would have made it really interesting, Sanjay. Um, so I encourage this. I want more of this to happen. I wanna do more of this on my show. 
And the one thing I would advocate for you is, you know, it seems that in my limited travels, people who are really good at questioning belief, questioning their own beliefs, questioning others' beliefs, really introspecting about it, tend to be a little more open, a little happier, a little more engaged, a little less ruminatory about stuff, a little less polarizing than people who feel that their beliefs define who they are and don't ever attack my belief, you're attacking me. I don't think that's the ideal. Now, the thing is, our causes and conditions from genetics to our upbringing have made us who we are. So you cannot blame a person for being closed to questioning their beliefs, but just, I wanna put that little bug, that little inception that, hmm, maybe look inside and see the only belief that you can't question. Look really deep and find that belief. All right, guys. Namustatoid. What do they say? Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> and so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. It, it just really helps the algorithm to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I wanna hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is, Financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community really. And we support and love each other and share again through our own experience how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.